been some wonderful, wonderful music um, for a little bit up there. While the music was going on in the service, I was thinking about what I'm going to, you know, preach and make sure I was thinking right and aware of what God would have me to do. And then I thought, I'm just going to stop a minute, take a drink of water. I mean, just take this in. It's beautiful music. And I was thinking how important I must be that you put an orchestra up here for me tonight and just put on the dog like this and um, that uh, you wrote some of this special music just from the occasion of my preaching here. And, uh, but uh, no, you have such a wonderful, wonderful um, blessing here that uh, you get to partake of on a regular basis and uh, I know you are appreciative to God for it and appreciative to the faculty for it and uh, the, the pastoral staff and all those that are doing this. Um, it's really um, a God thing. Amen? It's a God thing. Um, Brother Van Gelderen over here, not Brother Van Gelderen over here, but Brother Van Gelderen over here came by and he gave me one of the books because I've been kidding about shoplifting one. And I told him I already have three. He says, oh, okay. But I only have two so far. That's only, I'm kidding. I did, did not have one yet. But um, now I have one, and I'm going to take that home and enjoy that. Um, I've greatly enjoyed being in the school. Um, I believe that... Um, this church and this college has, um, has God's hand on it and that I believe that this may very well be um, like Jesus had 12 that he trained. They were with him. They got connected to him. He trained them and they went out and turned the world upside down. And this has as much potential as any church I've been in as long as we keep being with him, being sincere and real and being with him and training, we may be the hope for revival or America. This could be. But it won't happen if we think we are the hope in pride. But if we feel the responsibility and have faith that if we know him and walk with him, he can do great and mighty things far above all that we would ask or think. And so it's a great opportunity, a great place, a great potential. And so let's not waste what God is doing in this place. Let's be part of it and let's um, just keep listening for the direction of the Lord and see where he'll take this people and what he'll do with it. Amen. Now let's take our Bibles and let's stand together and uh, let's turn in the scriptures to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. begin reading at verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, 
the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Heavenly Father, we ask for your help tonight. Father, we ask for you to meet with us in fullness and to direct us in our thinking and in our emotions. And Lord, change us and build us and make us what we are seeking to be new, fresh, ready, and in communion with you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. <clears throat> there are certain people that we look at as great men of God, and Moses is the man of God, and we think of all that Moses is and was and did. But did you know that Moses was not always what he later became? Later, he became the man of God. But at this point, he was a shepherd and this event, this day, this burning bush changed everything. And I used to think, if I can have a burning bush experience, maybe I would become a great, great man of God. But then I realized that there's only been one burning bush in all of history, but there have been many men of God. I think about how there have been great encounters with other men of God, like the man Saul of Tarsus, and how Saul became Paul, because he had a great light that shined, and a voice that spoke, and Saul became Paul. And I thought, if I had a dynamic experience like that, then maybe I would become a great man of God. But then I realized there's only one man in all history who ever had that event. But there have been many who have been great men of God. And so sometimes we think that we need some big event. But it's not really what event might take place that changes a shepherd into a Moses. It's what he learns about God when he's at that burning bush experience and about himself and the potential of a relationship with God. And the real burning bush experience is when a man realizes that God wants to be his God. That's the burning. That's what changes us. And that's what happened here to Moses. Now we're going to look about God being my God, our God, and getting that where there is a connection and a union. And there are three things we're going to look at tonight that we trust God will help us in our pursuit of God. 
All right, now the first I want to look at in the passage is the perspective of God, the perspective of God. Now notice in verse 6 how God introduced himself to Moses. He said, moreover, I am the God of Abraham thy father, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. But what I want us to notice tonight is he didn't say, I'm your God. In fact, he said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he omitted that he was Moses' God. Now, most of us think that, well, he and God were really tight. He and God were close. And if anybody was the man of God, Moses was the man of God. But what I'm saying is from God's perspective, Moses and he were not connected yet. But they did get connected. But they weren't connected right yet. Men of God were not always men of God. Women of God were not always women of God. But something happens that brings them to the point that they are then men of God and women of God. And it's this, uh, this encounter or this, this uh, burning bush, this uh, light and the light is probably the best description of what it is. It's a knowledge that God wants to be my God. Now, every person has potential to have a relationship with God. I've got one, you've got one, and everyone has the potential to have a deeper relationship with God maybe than they presently have. We've got potential of this. And each person has to have a time when they make God their God. Now, in God's perspective, some of us haven't quite totally gotten there. And I'm going to show us some things that might help us to get there. We think of Moses, we think of Abraham, we think of Isaac, and then we think of others that are great men of God. And we might not think of ourselves as being men of God. That we never want to think of ourselves as great men of God. I mean, we may not feel connected to God, but we can become connected to God. And each person has to make that connection. Now, if you take your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12, and in Genesis 12, we'll see one of these people that God said he was his God, Abraham. But I want you to notice that Abraham was not always as close to God as he later became. Now, notice how God introduced himself to Abraham in verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into the land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Now what I want you to notice is that God did not show up to Abram and say, I am the God of Abram and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Why? Because at this point, from God's perspective, he was not their God. And of course, we know that they were not all born yet. But yet, the point is, God didn't say, I am the God of Abraham. Because at this point, he and Abraham were not yet connected. Everybody follow me? And then Abraham saw value in his opportunity 
to have this walk with a God, who this, the God, who would bless him. It says, the Lord, said Abraham. The means the only one. But the God who can make him blessed, make him great, and with the blessing of God on him, things would be changed. So Abraham saw the value and he made God his God. That's what I'm saying. And this is where they got connected. Now, Abraham had a son and his name was Isaac. And let's turn over to Genesis 26. And I want you to notice in Genesis 26 how God appeared to Isaac, Abraham's son. It says in verse 24, the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for thy servant, my servant Abraham's sake. And he built it there an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. Now notice how God appeared to Isaac. He didn't say, I am your God. Now, we know later, he said, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. But here he says, I am the God of your father. Why? Because from God's perspective, though he knew about God, he probably believed in Jehovah. This is the young man that actually saw his father lay him on an altar and he raised the knife to go through him. And God grabs his hand and says, no, I have provided a lamb. And he saw God provide a lamb as a substitute for himself. Now, do you believe that Isaac believed that God was God? And do you believe that Isaac believed in God? I believe he did. But he was at this level spiritually, and God said, look, just like I was with Abraham, I want to be with you. And I want to be your God. And Isaac saw value as God said he'd be with him. And Isaac built an altar, and Isaac made God his God. And this is where Isaac and God, though he was a believer, went to that level of genuine connection where God, from his perspective, changed his introduction. And I'll show you where he changed his introduction of himself. Turn to Genesis 28. And Isaac had a son, and his name was Jacob. But in Genesis 28 and verse 13, it says, Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. So God changed his introduction of himself. Now he says, I am the God of Abraham. But then now he says, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. But question, did he say yet I am the God of Jacob? No. Why? Because at this point, he and Jacob had not yet gotten connected. Now, do you believe that Jacob heard about God from Grandpa Abraham? Do you think that Jacob heard about God from his dad and how his father would tell him, you know, when I was a boy, your grandpa took me up on Mount and then this happened and God intervened and we saw God move. Do you think that he knew all that? Absolutely. But they were not yet, from God's perspective, connected. Now, then the day came where Jacob made God his God. In verse 20, Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. 
not just grandpas, not just dads, but my God. And then he made a stone, an altar, he tithed, and he made God his God. He at least tempted to, which I'm going to draw attention to that a little bit later, that he maybe didn't quite get there yet. But his heart was, I want God to be my God. And so men of God were not always men of God. Women of God were not always women of God. But something happened with Saul, and he became Paul. And something happened with um, these men, and they became who they became. And something can happen in us that will get us to where we want to be. Truly men of God. Truly women of God, truly those who know God, not pretending to know God or in the journey to know God, but we get there. And that's what we want. Amen? Now, from God's perspective, maybe some of us aren't quite there yet, and maybe from our perspective we're not, but there's hope because God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's hope because God is not a respecter of persons. And we can have as much of God as we want. We'll never own him. We'll serve him. We'll know him. But we will have as much of a relationship with God as we want. It's possible. Now, from the perspective of God, are we close to him? Now, turn in your Bibles over to Psalm chapter 18, and in Psalm chapter 18, I want to read about David, the man of God. Now, in Psalm chapter 18, I love these three verses that introduce the psalm, and my wife actually is good with calligraphy, and she's good with art, and so she made a nice, beautiful piece of art and put these verses and parts of it on it, and it's in my office and is encouragement to me all the time. Now notice Psalms 18, 1 through 3 says, I will love thee, O Lord. What's the next word? My. Now, the word is one word, and I just want to draw attention to the word after this. I will love thee, O Lord. What's the word next word? It is my. Okay, now, I will love thee, O Lord, mine. Now, it's in there nine times, and what I did is I circled all the mys because I needed God to be my God, not just somebody else's God. Now, I am saved on my way to heaven, but I want more. I want fullness with God. I want God to be my God. And I don't want it to be from my perspective. I want it to be so real that it's from God's perspective. That God could say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and I would be so honored to hear, and Mike Pelletier. Now, I know people that are giants in the faith, and I struggled because there were times, and I still can struggle because of natural tendencies for doubt that the devil will try to plague me with. Or I can struggle from natural insecurities that a person may have that I may have, that I do have. And I have remembered times when I needed things in my life and I would pray and I would pray, oh God, please. 
as I was trying to tell you, I would pray, Lord, I need, and I needed something big, as I shared in Sunday school, and I tried to pray like George Mueller. You know why? Because George Mueller knew how to pray. But then the time came when I realized, hey, it never was George Mueller's, it was George Mueller's God. And so I began to pray me to God, me believing and me praying. And you know what I found out? God would be my God, not just George Mueller's God. And so I circle all the mys, and it's a beautiful word. I will love the O Lord, my strength. Not that he's not George Mueller's, but he's mine too. Not that he's not Abraham's, but he's Isaac's and he's Jacob's. And God can be each of our God. And we can each be close to God. The Lord is my rock, not just hers. I'm thankful for the way you work in her life, but I'm so thankful that you can work in my life. And my fortress and my deliverer, not just somebody else's. Thank you, God, for what you do all the time. Please keep delivering them. And, oh, God, I'm so encouraged by the way you're delivering him. But I want you to be my deliverer, too. And he says, I will. And then he goes on and he says, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckle, the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. And that personal word is a beautiful word. And that's what we want. Now, from the perspective of God, do we need that experience, that knowledge, that faith that God can be the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, George Mueller, and me? Now, from the perspective of God, what does he see in us that would make him say, I am their God? All right, now, we're going to look at three things he's looking for that will help in our seeking of God. And uh, the good thing is, it all starts with this draw an eye to God, he'll draw an eye to you promise. And the good thing is that God sees our heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And some people think, well, I just don't know if I really am showing God that I really want him. The good thing is God knows you want him if you want him. God knows you want him. And that's where it starts. So don't doubt that you can have the experience. So don't doubt that you believe enough. Don't doubt when the Bible says God looks on the heart. Now, you know if you want God, then don't you think God knows if you want God? And we are never going to have God in a close relationship. I will not. If we continue to entertain doubts, we've got to drive them away. All right, now secondly, I want to look at the power of God. Now, why do we want this relationship with God to be deepened? Because of the great blessings. And you say, well, that's wrong to seek God for a relationship. Now, I do know that we need to be concerned about the glory of God. And I wouldn't care if anything happened to me, if God got glory out of it, it would be right. But I also believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And he said to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curse thee. I will make thy name great and I will do this. And so it's God's glory, but we also want him for our good. And I personally believe there's a lot of good that's going to happen if I get close to God and stay with him. Now, some of the things that are good that will happen as we pursue God, which kind of show us we want to do this. 
with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind, and get fully, fully pursuing God and get connected to God. What are the benefits? All right, look what David said about the power of God in Psalm 18, 1 through 3. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Now, how many of you could use a little strength in your life? There are many times when I've needed strength in my life. When I was a six-year-old boy, my dad put a 12-gauge shotgun into his mouth. He pulled the trigger, and that was it. Now, you can tell me that I'm a weak person if you want, but I needed help. And my mom said, this is not the time to get bitter at God. This is the time that we need God. And we all grew up loving the Lord. And we did just fine. And God was my strength. Now, then it goes on and it says, the Lord is my rock. And a rock is stability in a storm. The wise man built his house upon a rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The winds blew, the rains descended, and the floods came, and the house stood. Why? For it was founded upon a rock. Now, in our lives, we are going to have winds and storms, and these things will blow, and we have a rock that can be our foundation that we will stand firm in these things. My strength, my rock, my fortress. Now, what is the fortress? It's a wall of protection. We have people that could attack us. We could have satanic attacks. We could have inward attacks. We could have attacks from within, from without. We could have attacks from people. We could have attacks from so many different places. So many different kinds of attacks. But as God would be a ring of fire around us and a fortress around us, let the attacks come. They cannot harm us if he is our fortress. And how many of us would agree we could use that kind of protection? And then we go on and he says, my deliverer, is there anything you might need deliverance from? God can deliver that. And then my God, and God can do anything, so that covers everything. And uh, it's a light thing for God to do anything that we would ask him to do. Sometimes when I pray, I say, God, my favorite verse, and I lift it up to him, and I've got it right in my Bible, right in the front, and I got it written right by it, my favorite verse, and it says that that's a light thing for you. And you know what? Whatever we have individual and all that we have collectively, we could just say, God, could you? And it would be a light thing for him to do anything and everything because God can do anything and everything. When God created this earth, you know that we read in our Bibles, God said, let there be light. But you know what I was told? I'm not the scholar I read. And one scholar said, in the original language, it doesn't say, let there be light. You know what it says? Light. I don't know if it's right. Don't tell me if it's not, because I kind of like it. And then he said, 
let there be firmament. And it doesn't even say that in the original language. It said firmament. And God said birds. And God said sun, moon, stars. And he spoke it into existence with one word. And so we have the power of God. And it can be my God. And then my strength. And my buckler. That's just a small shield of protection. And then he is my high tower, which takes us up out of the floods and up away from the attacks and the horn of our salvation and then all of these things. Now, I have seen that God can be my God, not just somebody else's God. And I shared a couple of stories. There are many more that I can. There are many of you that can. But we need to remember that the power of God is something wonderful. I remember that the power of God is there when I remember some of his divine interventions. And uh, I feel like I shouldn't share them sometimes because I am a pygmy Indian in spiritual stature compared to a lot of people. But I have seen God do divine supernatural intervention. It's been amazing. I was on a mission trip on my way to Haiti, and I can remember on my way to Haiti, the week before I was going, I needed $850 for that trip. I didn't have it. So I prayed, Lord, I need $850 for this trip. My wife said, you need to go. Those people need you right now. And I, it was after the hurricane, after the earthquake, excuse me. And so I needed $850, didn't have it. So you know what I did? My wife and I both felt it was okay this time. Just put it on a credit card. We did. And trust God to pay for it. We've never done that in unity before. I did it once in disunity. And it wasn't a good idea. But we did it in unity that time. So I thought, okay, must be of God. So a week before the meeting, I didn't have the money for it. And so the week before the meeting, I said, God, I need to pay for this. And I'd like to pay for it before the trip. And a teenager walked up to me after one of the meetings and he shook my hand. He said, brother, you've been a blessing to me. Thank you for your ministry. And I pulled my hand back and there was a $50 bill, a teenager. I said, praise God. Thank you. I use it for my mission trip. So if you teenagers like my preaching, I expect a $50 bill. <laughs> then another man shook my hand and pulled it back. There was another bit of money and another and another. And then the day before I left, a preacher actually wrote me a personal check. Uh, are you listening, Pastor? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and he gave me a personal check for a couple hundred dollars, and I had $750 then. Now, I needed 850 I had the 750 and I'm actually in the airport, and I was thanking God at the moment. He said, God, you did it again. I need 850 I only need 100 I could do that when I get back. And I was praying, Lord, thank you for what you did again, and just silently praying. And when I did that, all of a sudden in the airport, I hear somebody go, man of God, <laughs> in Miami airport. And so I'm thinking, did I really hear that? And then I hear again, man of God. I'm thinking I'm hearing this. And this person is walking our direction, my direction. It was just me there. And he goes, man of God. And he's very loud in the airport, Miami airport. And as he's getting my direction, I'm thinking, well, I'm a preacher, but uh, 
I'm not Moses. And um, he got a little closer, and I kind of sheepishly turned around when he got real close. Man of God! And I didn't want to turn around and go, here I am. <laughs> but I did turn around sheepishly, and he saw me, and he honestly, he goes, oh, man of God. And he walked up, and he shook my hand for you. And he turned around and walked away. And I opened up my hand. There's a $100 bill. Now, there is a little background behind that. A little bit earlier, maybe an hour ago, 30, 45 minutes to an hour ago, I had met this man. And I walked. I said, sir, you wouldn't have to be from Haiti, would you? I just walked up and talked to him because I was going to Haiti. He said, no, I'm from, and he named another country. I said, no, I thought maybe you were from Haiti. He said, why do you ask? I said, well, I'm going to Haiti. Why are you going? For ministry, that's all I said. And he said, God bless you, brother. So evidently he was a Christian. And he went his way, I went my way. 45 minutes later, man of God. <laughs> now, first of all, how do you think that he ever decided, I want to give that preacher $100? Who do you think told him? I think it was God. And how do you think he ever found me in Miami airport? And so the divine internet intervention of God, and there are many stories that you could tell, and I'm telling us that we have great opportunity if we can get in a relationship with God. And it's not just these things, but there's so many other things. The peace, the... Um, joy, the fruit of the Spirit, and all of the wonderful things. But it is a wonderful thing when we have a relationship with God. And many of us can think of many wonderful blessings that can be experienced if we get connected to God maybe deeper than we presently are. The protection of God. When I was in Haiti on a mission trip, I remember right after the earthquake, we went over there, and they were actually violent about getting a tent. 230,000 people had died. And many of the homes were crushed. And so the Lord laid it on our heart to try to go help. And so the Lord blessed, and we were able to bring 300 tents over to the Christians that I knew, the churches where we'd been. And so as we go over there, um, it got intense. As we were getting ready to hand out tents, and there was violence over getting tense. I remember the guys came to me and they said, hey, we just saw the U.S. Marines and they're handing out tents across town and the Marines were standing there handing out tents and I said, hey, we're giving out tents too. That's cool, see you guys over here. And he was talking to him just like that and the guy says, oh, you're giving out tents, huh? And he said, yeah, we'll give them out tonight after we preach. And he was so excited talking to this Marine from America who was handing out tents. He says, what? We're giving out tents tonight. When? After we preach tonight. He said, you're giving out tents at night? He says, we're the Marines. And he said, we wouldn't hand out tents at nights, and we've got guns. He said, if you hand out tents tonight, man, you're going to be killed. You better not hand out tents. And so the guys came to me, and they said, he said, he would be killed. And so, not knowing what to do, with all kidding aside, I knew at least one thing to do, pray. So I got the men together, and we prayed. And as we were praying, how the Lord just can lead. And I'm telling you, I am embarrassed, and I feel like I'm somewhat um, overstepping some of these things. 
And I want to tell you, I do believe that I am a pygmy Indian compared to some of the stories that could be told. But it was a wonderful thing. The guys got together, the Lord directed her permitting, and we began to pray for three things. One, that as soon as the service was done, the old man in the village, uh, that it would begin to rain. There were only two things, that it would begin to rain. The first thing we prayed for was that the old man in the village would stand up and tell everybody it's too late to hand out tents. It's too dangerous. Come back tomorrow when it's light and we'll hand out tents. And then it would begin to rain. Why? Because Haitians do not like rain. They get afraid of, I think, the mudslides. So anyway, while we're there, we're praying. And then I go right into the preaching after we were praying. I did not get to talk to anybody. And as soon as we were done and that service was over, this old man of the village did stand up. He got his hand up like this. And everybody looked at him. And then he climbed down. And then he said something. And I said, what is he saying? He's telling them it's too dangerous to hand out tents tonight to go home and come back, and tomorrow we'll hand them out. And then it began to rain. And you know, every one of those guys who were there said, wow. You know what I said? Amazing. And we saw the power of God. Now, the perspective of God, from God's perspective, would God say that he is our God? Then the power of God, we can see so many wonderful things if we could experience that relationship with God, so many blessings. I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse them that curse thee. I will make thy name great. I will make thee a great nation. And God says, I am a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, the last thing and the main thing that I want to speak to us about today is the path to God. Now, in this passage, you've got God reaching out to Moses, but God is reaching out to us. Now, God's always been reaching out to us. God created the Garden of Eden. God created Adam and Eve, and he had cool walks in the day with Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it wasn't God hiding from Adam and Eve. It was Adam hiding from God. And God said, Adam, where art thou? And it wasn't God hiding from Adam. It was Adam hiding from God. And it's not God hiding from us. It might be us not fully seeking God. Then you have Calvary came. Jesus came. And the whole purpose was to reconcile us to himself. And then he gave us a Bible. And the whole purpose was to reconcile us to himself. And everything says that God's not playing hide and seek. He's not hiding from us. And so we can find God. Now, in the scripture here, there are three tangible things that may help us to find God. All right, now, first of all, Psalms 18 and verse 1, there are two words, and the two words I underlined there are two words that are there in verse 1, they're in verse 2, and they're in verse 3. All right, verse 1, it says, I will. In verse 2, I will. And then 3, I will. And so I circled all the my's because I need to know that God will be my God, not just his God. 
and then there are three tangible things that we can do that might take us from this spiritual plateau to a little higher spiritual plateau. And when I mean higher, not better than somebody else, I mean closer to God than we may be presently. And what are the three tangible things that we can do that David did? The I wills. All right, the first one is David said, I will love thee. Now, for us to make God our God, we have this step to take. We determine others may not love God, but I will. I'm not going to love dumb things, temporary things. I'm going to set my affection on God. He says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your what? Heart. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. And so the heart setting your affection on God. And that is one tangible thing that we can do that will take us from here where God will see it and God will say, okay, I'll be your God. And we start with that, I will love him. Now, we're not going to fool God. We're not going to fool God by saying, I love you with all of my heart. We're not going to fool God. We're not going to fool God by telling everybody, I love God with all of my heart. See, God, did you hear that? And then say it a different way. God, did you hear that? And sing it. Did you hear that? Did you see that? We're not going to trick him because God looks in our heart. But here's the encouraging thing. God is not going to be fooled by our words but God is not going to miss that we love him when we do. He's going to see that. You know, we have this idea that we have to kind of show God what we really love him. We don't have to show him when it's there. He's going to see it. And we can get it there. And so we say, others may not, but I will love him. And I will. The Bible says husbands love your wives. Evidently they can. If the Bible says set your affections on God, then you can. And I can. And so God is not missing our pursuit of him. That's encouraging. God is not missing your pursuit of him if you're doing it. He won't miss your pursuit of him if you choose to love him with all of your heart. That's telling us that we can be connected to God. All right, now, the second thing that we can do is, in a tangible way, found in verse 2. It says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will, what? Trust. Now, I can say I'm trusting you, God, with this. But God sees if I'm trusting God with this. I can try to trust God with it, and God can see when I don't trust him, but I'm trying. And God also tells us the example of where even the man said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. 
And it was good enough for the Lord that he went ahead and healed and raised his daughter. And when we come to God, we're not going to fool God. We're not going to trick God. If I say, I'm trusting you, God, we're not going to fool him because he looks on our heart. And he knows who in this room is saying, I'm trusting God and who's just talking and who's trusting. But we can do something and decide to trust him. And he just said, I will trust you. I'm not going to fall apart. I just will trust you. I just will. I'm not going to be frazzled. I just will trust you. I just will. Now, here's a man, Jacob, and I want you to go ahead and look at this. Turn to Genesis 28, and in Genesis 28, Jacob had said that God would be his God, and we read that, and I told you I was going to say something about this in a little bit, but um, I hope I can articulate this thing that I saw that encouraged me and challenged me today. Uh, so Genesis chapter 28, here's what he said in verse 20. Um, and Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat, and here I do see his heart is, he doesn't want to serve God, he wants to use God. If you do this for me, and you do this for me, and you do this for me, and you do that for me, and what we always need to remember is that God is not our servant, he is our sovereign, and that we are the servant. And we have to keep our heart there, but there's blessing. He's a good master. All right, but notice this. He says, so shall the Lord be my God. And he's saying, God will be my God. And he's saying, basically, I'm going to trust God to take me and to provide for me and to give me raiment and to give me food to eat. But then what does he do the moment he said, I will trust God to take care of my food and my raiment and my clothing? He goes to his father-in-law just a chapter later Laban who wasn't his father-in-law sees him gets married to two of his daughters and then after working for him for a long time he's ready to take off and Laban his uncle his father-in-law says hey j just stay with me don't leave me stay with me well I have to provide for my family who does he said I do I thought he was trusting God. Now, I understand there's an element of I have to provide for my family, but I want you to see what he did. He then said, okay, pay me my wages, and here's how I'll do it. If you will agree, then I'll stay. And he says, and what I want you to do is you get certain colors of the flock, and then I'll get the other color, okay? And then when it's all done, then my righteousness will be seen. You see what he's doing? He's talking. Righteousness, my righteousness. And you know what he did? He manipulated what kind and color were born. Everybody remember the story? Now, why did he manipulate it? Because he had to take care of his family. And he had to kind of manipulate things so that he got the food and the raiment and the clothing. And the question is, was he trusting God or was he trusting himself, really? And so God sees who's trusting him and who's not trusting him. And Jacob, deceiver, that's what it means. And you know what God said? You told me that you are trusting me. Jacob, deceiver, 
you're deceiving. You're not trusting me. But then he came along, and then he had an encounter with God. And you remember that passage, I believe, that it is in chapter 32. And in chapter 32, let's turn there, please. He is in big trouble now. His roost, the chickens are coming home to roost. He is uh, going to reap what he sowed. And his brother is now angry and he has an army and he's coming to wipe Jacob out and finally kill him. And he's been plotting it for years and he is in big trouble. And so Jacob, in verse 24, was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the break of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And you know what he's doing? He's holding on to God. Don't go. I can't let you go. I need you. Who's he trusting now? God. And so what was the result of it? In verse 28, he said, Thy name shall no more be called deceiver. You're trusting me now. Your name will be called Israel, which means prince with God. You are now mine. I am now yours. And God then was the God of Israel. Now, so we've got, I will love him, and that's what we can do. I will trust him. I just will. I'm not going to fall apart in any situation that I'm in. And this is the difference between men of God and people that pretend to be men of God. We love him. Can we do that? Can we do that? We trust him. Can we do that? Just trust him. Simple. And then we call. Let's turn back to Psalm chapter 18. Psalm chapter 18. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. Not just his deliverer, my God. Not just his God or her God. My strength in whom I will trust. Thank you for being his buckler, her buckler. Thank you for the great thing you did to show yourself. And it increases my faith. But I need you to be my buckler too. And the horn of my salvation in my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. And so the three things that we can do in a tangible way to maybe go from where we presently are to that closer walk with God is we can decide, I want God to be my God, and here are three tangible ways that we can step closer to God and stay with God. We decide, I will love him. I will trust. I won't pretend I trust. And I will pray. And that's why we need to spend time in prayer. Let's bow our heads. And then, as our heads are bowed, God will be our God. He will keep us. He will clothe us. He will guide us. He will be our strength.
our rock, fortress, deliverer, our God. Generations. Abraham, the friend of God. The next generation, Isaac, the well digger. Jacob, Israel, the third generation who was the father of the nation of Israel, who, uh, named Israel, who was, the nation was named after and gave us the word of God and gave us the example of the deliverance of God and also gave us Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so generations are not going to be spiritual because their parents are spiritual. But each generation can be as close to God as the previous generation. And so we just have to each decide God will be my God, not just his. Amen. Now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder if there are any here tonight who would say, Brother Mike, I know what you're saying. I want to move up in my relationship with God. I don't want to be a one who watches others' relationship with God in admiration. I am always going to admire what God does in others' lives. But I want God to be my God, not just somebody else's God. And I want this in me, with me. That God would say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and me. I want that closeness with this God. And if you'd say, I know what you're saying, and I need to take a step up spiritually, I, I see it. Would you just lift up a hand if you could say that? I know what you're saying, and it makes sense. And I need to take that step up spiritually to my God, not just somebody else's God. Amen. 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 Now, three tangible things I'm going to ask you, and then we'll have an invitation. Are there some of you that are here today that need to decide, I am going to just love him sincerely. And I have not set my affection on God. My affection has been on other things. Sports are fun, but they're a game, not a God. And if you stay home from church to watch an athletic event or to do one, you have made that a God above Jehovah God. And if you would say, I need to set my affection on God, my love has not been totally there for God, and I want it to be God is who I love above all things. And you say, that helped me. I'm going to love God, not pretend I love God. I want that in my life. I'm missing that love for God. And you say, I want to, and I can, and I will with God's help. Would you slip up your hand if God's challenging you about, I, I don't love him. I love him, but I don't love him, and I want to genuinely love him. All right, amen, amen. And let me encourage you about this again. God's not going to be fooled, but God's also not going to miss your sincerity. So don't worry if you really, 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 really love him. He knows the moment it's real. He won't miss it. Number two, how many would say, Brother Mike, I've got some circumstances going on that I just need to decide I'm just going to trust. I'm just going to quit fretting and I'm just going to trust. I just will. And that helped me. I'm going to trust because I need to grow and really be a man of God, not pretend I'm one. And men of God and women of God just trust. They just do. 
And if you'd say, I need to, would you slip up your hand? I need to. I need to trust. And trust what? About what? Everything. Even when it's the things that they're pursuing about your identity in Christ. I'm just going to trust it. It's true. Okay, I trust it. Amen. Good. Forgiveness, that too? Yes. I'm just going to trust. He forgave me. Thank you. And enjoy it. Whatever it might be. And then I will call upon the Lord and I hope that you'll be challenged to decide I'm going to be a man and a woman who prays. That's how we get connected to God.